Maybe tell them. All right. So I believe you guys will still be with us next Sunday, but we'll be out in the park. So we wanted to make sure to appropriately honor uh, faithful servants, which is like what we want to do here um, as God blesses us. So uh, let's get into our teaching this morning. We are in the book of Proverbs. Um, we're going to be in various chapters. Um, so I put the scriptures on the PowerPoint. Uh, if you want to turn in your Bibles as well, um, Proverbs chapter 5 would be a good place to start. If you need a Bible, put up your hand. We want everybody to be able to leave here with a Bible because um, we're going to talk about some things uh, in God's Word today that you're probably going to say, I want to read that again or I want to um, uh, resonate on that about, uh, this week. And so uh, make sure you have a Bible. You can also pull out uh, your uh, smartphone, your app. Um, the Bible will be on there as well. Um, today we're talking about wisdom for families. Um, now, I, I, to be honest with you, I'm kind of in a weird place to be talking about families uh, this morning. And the reason is because uh, I'm in the midst of a span without having my wife and four kids home uh, with me. Uh, we traveled to the East Coast a few weeks ago. We have a couple weddings there. So I actually I left them on the East Coast for three weeks while I came back to be here uh, with us and to get things kind of uh, continue moving through the summer here. And uh, so I, I'm uh, a father of four kids. I actually brought a picture to some of you are new just to introduce them. Uh, and I could have found a better, prettier picture, uh, to be honest with you. But, um, you know, uh, just pretty pictures isn't really always the reality uh, for family. And so this is a little bit more reality. This is my oldest. Uh, Kendall's 11 years old. She is um, the big sister uh, God created her uh, very special in that way, so caring, so loving, uh, responsible. Uh, we'd be lost without her. Uh, and then there's Larkin, who uh, she's as sweet as she looks in that picture, but Larkin, she can change just like that. Uh, she's extreme, extremely sweet, then extremely uh, emotional. Um, so um, that's my Larkin. And then there's Shane. That's, they're actually twin sisters, even though they don't look anything alike, with kind of the curly hair. Uh, Shane, she is always pretty steady, and she's steady, um, 100% goofy. Um, that's, our, that's our Shane. She kind of uh, stands out. Um, both in her complexion from our family as well as her, her personality. And then there's my uh, Maddox. Uh, he's my little man, um, surrounded by all the girls. We need each other. And, uh, and there's my uh, wife, Garrison, who has the look of like, okay, John, I go ahead and snap the picture. Uh, we're trying to lead four kids to the airport here. And so um, that's my family. And um, so uh, right now, like I said, they're still on the East Coast. I'm back here. So I'm I'm a bachelor for these few weeks, which after 13 years of marriage is uh, pretty crazy. I don't know any bachelors out there. Um, it says in Proverbs, actually, he who desires a wife desires a good thing. Um, and uh, ain't that true? Amen to that. And uh, so, um, but anyway, so I'm kind of in this place where you might think, all right, there's a lot less noise um, at the house, which there is, which is kind of weird for me. Um, but uh, I might be able to get some perspective outside of the noise and to be able to bring this perspective on families, which is true. But uh, the reality is, for me, um, I'm 36 years old. I've been married for 13 years. I have uh, four kids, been in ministry for 10 years now. Um, so for some of us here um, that are kind of below years of marriage or numbers of kids or, um, or age, may think, okay, well, you can bring some experience to 
to this thing, to talking about families. And then there's probably some mothers out there that are like, man, you still got a long way to go and a lot to, to learn. What are you going to teach us about today? Well, regardless of what end of the uh, extreme you are on that, um, it's not really about my perspective. I'm not here this morning to share with you my perspectives on family or my ideas or my opinions. What we are after here uh, is seeking God's perspective. We're seeking God's wisdom, which is why we open up uh, his word to hear from him. And in Proverbs, even though there may be a lot of kind of one-liners here, Proverbs gives us a picture of family. It gives us God's picture of family that both glorifies him and blesses us. You see, the Proverbs were, yes, they were written down by um, some wise sages in years past. They were even written, many of them, uh, by a son or by a father in love to his son. But we believe the Proverbs are much more than that. We believe that actually these words, though they were penned down by uh, human beings, that they were uh, actually inspired by God's Holy Spirit, that God directed, inspired, gave the words that we could know them. That is actually the words of a heavenly father written to his sons and his daughters to direct us in the path that we should go because he desires not only that we would glorify him first and foremost, but that we would also experience the blessing of following the life that he has for us. We desperately need God's perspective on family, whether it's the everyday struggles that we walked in here with. Uh, again, this past week, we, we went through and uh, that we're trying to figure out whatever stage and season of life we are, whether it's the uh, things that we've been dealing with for our whole lives, the brokenness of family. We need God's perspective to navigate. There's so much. I'm so reminded, because sometimes, you know, come here on Sunday and, and we, we teach God's word and kind of say, okay, this is where God wants us to go. And uh, I know, because I grapple with this as well, I say, well, in the everyday life, it, it's tough. And I'm reminded as a pastor, not just of, of teaching what God has for us, but sitting down even this past week, uh, again, with several people within our church and just talking about the the brokenness the the struggles uh, of family life and so we don't take this tritely as we seek what God wants I think God wants to speak to us he wants to lead us he wants to minister to us where we need and and I'm so thankful that God wants to do a work that he is here because uh, even though I know some of what we deal with God knows your heart he knows what you need this morning and so I want to pray that he would um, lead us this morning. I'm going to read some Proverbs. We'll pray, and then we'll discuss God's wisdom for our lives. So various Proverbs. Um, we'll begin reading here. It says this. Hear, O sons and daughters, a father's instruction, and be attentive that you may gain insight. For I give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching. By wisdom, a house is built. By understanding, it is established. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth, a lovely deer, a graceful doe. Let her breast fill you at all times with delight, be intoxicated always in her love. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. My son or daughter, 
Be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those that find them and healing to all their flesh. Lord God, Heavenly Father, pray that you would come and speak to your children this morning. God, you know our weakness, you know our struggles, you know what our weeks look like, you know what our years have looked like. And God, as I come before your people and I seek to talk about wisdom for families, um, there's probably no other topic, Lord, that, that I feel so inadequate, whether it's in my own struggles or whether uh, it is in not being able to pl- apply in these few moments uh, your truths to everyone's situation. God, you know where we are. You know, for those of us who are married and loving it, and you know those of us who are married and ready to give up. Those of us who have experienced the brokenness of a relationship and uh, are hurting. Those of us who are parents and uh, celebrating it. Those of us who are parents and grieving the loss. Those of us who are looking forward to marriage and those of us who are wondering if it would ever come to us. Those of us who just have so many broken relationships, uh, we just hurt at the mention or the thought. So God, um, I beg and ask that you would come, that you would lead us through. God, may uh, the words that I share be your words. God, in the midst of a world where we need direction, we come to you, our loving Father. We want to hear from you. Teach us. In your name we pray. Amen. So in the midst of the complexity of family life, in the midst of the complexity of what our world says about family, uh, the complexity that we struggle on in everyday life, there's a lot of complexity, and Proverbs speaks. Uh, this is why I would love for you to read through Proverbs, whether it's with our reading plan that's on the app or just pick it up and read through it. Um, and it's kind of because there's so much that speaks to every stage of life. But if we were to reduce the complexity of all kind of these one-liners, uh, these zingers that come in Proverbs, there are two main focal points, two essential components for forming wise families that the author of Proverbs speaks to as number one, solid marriages. Number two would be effective parenting. We can make it more complicated than that. We can talk about lots of different things, but if we can focus on solid marriage and solid parenting, God may do work in transforming us to help and actually make a difference in our lives and actually make a difference in our church and in our world rather than just going by where the tide goes. So let's start with solid marriages. The key passage, which I already read, which um, gets a little bit provocative for us perhaps, but it begins and says this, let your fountain be blessed. In other words, God is after our blessing. There's that word again that he wants our good. He's not trying to hold us back from good feelings. He wants us to to be blessed and experience the life that he desires for us. Let your fountain be blessed. And how are we to do that? Rejoice in the wife of your youth. And here's the first qualification. Solid marriages are permanent marriages. The fact that we have a wife for our youth or a husband for our youth is not supposed to change in life. It's a wife for life, a husband for life. It's 
marriage is the building block of family, the building block of society. The Bible teaches that. Experience shows that. And where marriages break apart, so does much of society. Solid marriages are permanent. I don't say this lightly or tritely. Um, Garrison and I have not hidden from our, our church the fact that it takes tremendous work for us uh, in our marriage. That there have been many things in our 13 years of marriage that we've walked through. We've walked through grief. We've walked through depression. We've walked through having four kids, two of them being uh, twins. Uh, we've walked through change of career. Um, we've walked through the knuckleheadedness of, of a young husband um, and learning to uh, go through the things that we go in marriage. We walk through personal woundedness, personality differences. It's taken us a lot, a lot of work. It's taken us a lot of prayer, a lot of discussion, seeking counsel, receiving counseling, confessing, apologizing, learning, walking, always looking to the future with hope. Um, because we believe what God said, that, that marriage is, that we need to pursue together what he has for us. That marriage is for, we've chosen to stay married, even when we haven't felt like it. But Proverbs, and God complicates it because he doesn't just tell us to make sure you stay together. Uh, he tells us to rejoice uh, to, to be full of joy, to strive for more, to not just settle for, hey, we'll stick it together. Solid marriages are joyful marriages. Now, there will be a difference between joy and happiness uh, and joy and comfort, but solid marriages are to be joyful marriages. I remember one time very vividly in um, my marriage, and it was about the three-year mark, Again, a lot, of, a lot of tough stuff that we were working through. Uh, and I remember the words that, that really struck me as a young husband that really got my attention. As when my wife said to me, why don't we just decide to be roommates? We'll partner in life. We'll raise our one kid at that point. We won't give up on it. We'll stick together. And those words, they, they, God used the, the words of my wife to hit me in my heart and to say, that's not God's view of marriage. He calls us to rejoice in the wife of our youth. In fact, he calls us uh, and he paints this picture of sexual passion that comes not from kind of a young hormones, but that comes from deep intimacy and passion that flows out of a, a joyful marriage is the picture that God paints. And he calls us to something more. Now, if I can be honest with you, and some of you may say, this sounds awful. Um, I hope you're okay with me being honest and authentic with you. Um, and... Uh, if I can be honest with you, there's something that's a little bit nice about being home by myself during this time. Uh, yeah, married, married people got me here. Um, and I'll, I'll tell you what's nice is that myself it gets to have full expression. I get to be my self-centered self. I get to set my schedule. I get to go and do whatever I want, even if it's ministry uh, pursuits. I get to decide what I want to eat. 
I get to clean up the living room once um, a day without the kids there. Just do a few dishes. There's something that's a little bit nice about it. I know that sounds awful to say. But I'll be honest with you that what it is is the self-centeredness. And if what we're after is comfort, if we're after is wanting to do just what we want to do for ourselves, if that's what your life is about, then marriage is not for you. Many people get married with that idea in mind, hey, this is going to fulfill me. This is going to satisfy me. This is going to meet my every need. And it does not. And... So we find ourselves not happy, not comfortable, and we want to give up on it all. It's not joyful at all. But I'll tell you what. What God teaches us is that life is not just about ourselves. It is about being who he's called us to be, being sanctified, being shaped, serving his purposes. And when you bring together two people that are very different, you can be more than you could ever be yourself. And I know that there are some people out here who would say, hey, I so much enjoy just being with my spouse. We're best friends. We love to hang out. Um, and if that's awesome, that's awesome. But for some of us, and we know this, that's not the case for all of us. We married someone and we found out we're a whole lot different than we thought. And we have a whole lot more struggles when we're living under the same roof. But what God does and some of those things that once uh, made us joy, oh, your differences are so cute for my, I love what you bring to the team, all of a sudden becomes butting heads. <laughs> but what God can do as we allow him to work and to appreciate one another and what, what we bring, those differences begin to intertwine. And it becomes so much more joyful than just having somebody that you like to pal around. And God can use that. I'll tell you, church, that over the years of, of marriage that has been permanent, that my wife and I have worked through, there's been such joy that now comes. It's not always easy. It's often difficult. I'll tell you, church, you benefit greatly from this. I tell you, if you had a pastor that was just John, I don't know that you would like me all that much. Because I would be about, okay, here, I'm very goal-oriented, I'm very plan-oriented. We would stick to the plan. We would do this. My wife brings authenticity. She brings a whole lot more fun than me. Uh, let me know, Garrison, know that. Um, she brings a heart that is empathetic, that constantly reminds me, hey, it's not about getting the plan done. It's about caring for the people that are hurting. And I tell you, it makes sense, right, hearing that from the pastor. Yeah, you, you want a pastor that... Uh, is sticking out his marriage and doing this because, hey, if my marriage were to crumble, if my marriage were to fall apart, hey, this would not be a happy place. But the same is true for you because God has designed that as we come together, as we live out marriage in him, that he does things in it, whether it's for your own children, your own families, or, or whether it's for ministry, or whether it's for your neighborhood, that God brings us together, and there can be much joy here to rejoice. But it's going to mean, in the midst of our differences, looking at the common interests, looking at the common goals, the common dreams, not focusing on our differences, but looking at what we have in common, and above all, looking to our common Jesus. Because in the midst of all our differences is only Jesus, and a focus on him. When I stray and look at one another rather than Jesus, it's easy to focus on differences, to get discouraged. But Jesus does a work 
within us. Solid marriages are meant to be joyful. And again, I don't say that tritely because I know for many of you didn't walk in here feeling all that joyful maybe in your marriage. But again, we're looking at where God calls us to. And I and my wife are a testament to the gospel, that the gospel does a work, that when there is brokenness, that the gospel repairs, the gospel redeems. And whatever situation you find yourself in, there's hope for you today that God wants to call you on and forward to experience something in him. Solid marriages are permanent. Solid marriages are joyful. Solid marriages also require focus talking very literally here. We are called as husbands and wives to have tunnel vision for our husband or for our wife. There were a few years ago, um, my wife and I were watching a movie and it was one of those where, you know, kind of the young hunk in the movie liked to, you know, take his shirt off at any given chance, you know, show all his rip, rippedness. Um, <laughs> And uh, so me kind of being a little much, say, you know, honey, maybe I should do that. And I was a little kind of insecure in actually doing that. Um, and uh, and uh, she said, oh, you have nothing to worry about. You totally used to look like that. <laughs> First, I thought it was a compliment. And then uh, like you recognize, hey, there's something uh, there that, you know, we don't always look like we used to. Oh, we begin to droop and sag a little bit in places that we didn't used to. We're not as young as we used to be, but we are called to rejoice in the husband or the wife, in their youth, even when we no longer have youth on our side. We are called to have tunnel vision, to have eyes for one another. Let your fountain be blessed. Rejoice in the wife of your youth, a lovely dear, gross, a lovely dear graceful doe. Let her breasts fill you at all times with delight. Be intoxicated always in her love. Why does the author of Proverbs say this? Because the next verse says this. Why should you be intoxicated, my son, with a forbidden woman and embrace the bosom of an adulteress? For a man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord. He ponders all his paths. The iniquities of the wicked ensnare him. He is held fast in the cords of his sin. He dies for lack of discipline. And because of his great folly... He is led astray. You see, the author of Proverbs said, hey, look. Look at your wife. Look at your husband. Because I don't have to tell you this. We live in a world that's going to seek to draw you away. You go to the grocery store. You hop on the internet. You go to the magazine rack. You walk down a summer sidewalk. And the temptation is constantly there. And it often starts small at first. To, to lure you away, to become seduced away. Nobody who breaks their marriage because of adultery usually sets out the plan that way. But it happens bit by bit, reducing the intimacy that we are called to have in our own marriage that does bring joy. Proverbs 6 says this, He who commits adultery lacks sense. He who does it destroys himself. He will get wounds and dishonor, and his disgrace will not be wiped away. 
And just in case we need to remember the words of our Savior Jesus, he corrected our thinking that adultery just means physical act. And he said this in Matthew 5, You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Now this can apply, much of Scripture is speaking to men, and men need to uh, set that environment where in this world where our wives or our wives-to-be can feel affirmed, where we create the environment where intimacy can bloom. That can apply just as much to women. In Proverbs chapter 7, it says this, With much seductive speech she persuades him, with her smooth talk she compels him, All at once he follows her as an ox goes to the slaughter, as the stag is caught fast till an arrow pierces its liver as a bird rushes into a snare. He does not know what it will cost him. It will cost him his life. Sometimes we don't take that tunnel vision that we are called to, the pursuit of our wife in a world where it's so easy to get a quick fix. A quick little fulfillment that destroys intimacy in our marriage. Proverbs calls us back and says, Rejoice in the wife or the husband of your youth. Tells us to be intoxicated by her, to be passionate with her. Now, I know anytime I talk about such things, um, I know that very often there's a lot of broken trust, a lot of hurt, that it's not just like, okay, let's go home and put this into practice. No, that, that there's some healing that may need to take place, conversations that need to take place. And some of us actually might be a little uncomfortable talking about this right now because we feel God getting our attention a little bit. And we know that our vision for our marriage has fallen fall short of where he wants to lead us to. Uh, but uh, we're going to have a time of prayer at the very end of this message. And if God is speaking to you, Uh, What it says in Proverbs is this, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him who he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. If the Lord is saying anything to you about your marriage today, it's not because he wants to hurt you. It's because he wants to heal you. He wants to restore you. He wants to restore uh, the good thing that you entered into, the gift that he has given you in marriage. For those of you who are not yet married, one day hope to be. And now is the time to pay attention to these things. Because for those of us who could testify to what uh, sexual sin does to us beforehand, it doesn't just go away on our wedding day. It sticks with us and brings more hurt to come. So now is the time to seek the Lord, how he would have you walk in this area. Wise families pursue a solid marriage. The picture that God gives us that glorifies him and blesses us is one of commitment. It's one of purity. It is one of joy. And he calls us to pursue that picture rather than what any other picture in this world or in our backgrounds given us. This past week, um, I got to go visit with uh, one of our church planters, Dave Goffney, down in Arizona, hiked the Grand Canyon. Um, 
absolutely amazing hike the Grand Canyon. Um, what a metaphor for life in general, but marriage as well. You know, kind of where you start off on a wonderful, uh, you know, amazing jaunt downhill when you're hiking in a canyon. That's when you take all the pictures, because that's when you're smiling, that's when you're enjoying. And then it starts to level out, and then you, you start the climb, and yeah, sometimes you have levels. Sometimes it's absolutely brutal along the path, but you keep stepping one step after another, all remembering when you can pause to remember in the midst of when it gets really hard, that you're in the midst of something absolutely amazing. That's what God has given us in marriage. And there will be times when, hey, we're smiling, we're snapping pictures, we're feeling good. There will be other times when it is absolutely brutal, when you're just going from shade spot to shade spot, just limping from Sunday to Sunday, seeking, crying out to God, just help me take the next step. And that's what we get to do together here is take the next step to come back when maybe other friends, the world will tell you, hey, there's a lot easier answers. Or come back and say, God, what do you have for us? Because we want your blessing. This may be a good time for a word of grace for those, those of you that walk that journey and it got so brutal that it broke for one reason uh, or another, whether it was the pain of sexual sin and adultery, whether it was just that it got too hard, whether it was abusive emotionally or physically or whatever reason, you need to know God's got grace for you. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation in his church. Our God is a redeemer. He's got grace and he's got mercy for you. He wants to call you from this day forward to live how he would have you live. We want to love you. We want to embrace you. We want to uh, help you through this time. Whether maybe marriage isn't in your future. God calls some of us on that path. But we want to be a place that is here for you. But for those of us who are married, for those of us who are soon to be married, and let, let me share with it, we are going to seek God's view for marriage, nothing less. I want to be clear with you. I mean, our, I mean, there's a lot of talk about definition of marriage, right? Our definition of marriage in this church was never defined by courts, never defined by culture. It was always defined by God's word. And just to be clear, our definition of marriage, yes, is one man and one woman. But it doesn't end there, my Christian friends. It continues and it says one flesh for life. And we will not falter on any part of that definition. So it's not just enough to say, hey, I married the right gender, and so I feel like I'm good with God. No, it's about coming together and to seeking all of what God has for us. So if in any way that you are struggling in your marriage, we are here to lovingly, in God's grace, to say, not condemnation, not judgment, because, hey, I've, I've shared with you some of our struggles. I'll share with you some more if you want them. Others in this place, too, will say, hey, it's just the gospel that's working in us. It's helping us day by day to be who God has called us to be. And so as biblical Christians, 
let's ask ourselves today, are we pursuing all that God has for us in our marriage? And if not, today is a day to seek help first and foremost from him. Secondly, to walk in community together, to continue in God's word. Okay, that's the start. Solid marriages. Wise families also pursue effective parenting, and I'm not going to talk extensively about this, but I do want to uh, talk about it briefly because lots of us are in this place. Uh, I know myself, I'm kind of in that stage, not just having kids, but having them grow into those teenage years. Uh, one day, maybe you will have uh, kids. For those of you who are like, oh, I'm just going to check out right now, hey, God may do something in your heart that says, hey, get ready for that day today. Uh, or he may give you something to hold, hold on. But for those of us that are going through, I often ask other people and say, you know, especially those that have uh, kids who uh, love the Lord, that uh, are united together. I say, what was it? I asked my own father this because uh, he raised five kids that, you know, are loving the Lord and building Christian families there themselves. And what they say, lots of words of wisdom, lots of different advice, but every single one of them said this, it's by the grace of God. In other words, saying it's not from perfect practices or perfect ways of doing things because none of us will do it perfectly. We are dependent on God's grace for our own failings, and our kids get to see God's grace as we fail, but we come back to Jesus and ask forgiveness of him as well as them. It's by the grace of God if our kids come to know and love the Lord. And um, let's rest assured that that is the ultimate goal in our parenting. It's not that we have well-adjusted, well-off, well-educated, well-resumed children, comfortable children. It's that they would love the Lord. And for, for those of us uh, who know God's word and love God's word, we, we yearn for our children and we pray for them. And we're dependent on God. But what Proverbs also tells us is this, that we have a role in that, that God has given us. Proverbs chapter 5 says, train up a child in the way he or she should go. And even when he or she is old, they will not depart from it. Now, this is not just a quick guarantee. Hey, if you do the right things, the life will end up perfect. We live in a broken world. Every one of us needs to make our own decisions, our kids as well. But there is a call to engagement as parents here to be a part of training them up. Hey, hear this, parents, that... Uh, parenting is not an opportunity for fulfillment. It's not just an opportunity for fulfillment. I'll have kids so that they satisfy my needs and make me happy and make me comfortable just because, you know, marriage maybe isn't doing this, so now I'll have kids and fix that. No, uh, parenting is not an opportunity for my fulfillment. It is a responsibility that God has given us to fulfill, to raise ultimately his children and to be a part of training them up. And so God would call us to be engaged. They say very at the beginning of creation, God said to the first man and woman, he said, be fruitful and multiply. Uh, before sin, that meant just, hey, uh, being a part of it by uh, having kids and just multiplying in the absence of sin. Today, in the presence of sin, we need to disciple them up, knowing, having a vision for what it says in Proverbs 15, that a wise son brings great joy. A foolish son brings ruin. 
How do we do it? Proverbs tells us some things. Effective parenting includes, number one, teaching. Proverbs 1 verse 8 says this, Hear, my son, your father's instruction. Forsake not your mother's teaching. Okay, We are called to be teachers as parents. Proverbs 4 says, we already read it, Hear, O son, a father's instruction, and be attentive that you may gain insight. For I give good precepts, do not forsake my teaching. And it says this, When I was a son with my father, tender, okay, meaning a young child, the one and only in the sight of my mother, he taught me and said, Let your heart hold fast my words, keep my commandments, and live. If we desire our kids to live, then we need to take seriously the responsibility that God has given us of teaching as fathers and mothers. The whole context of Proverbs, you could go chapter after chapter and continue to say, son, listen to what I'm teaching. Son, hear what I have to say. We don't depend on the schools to teach our kids. We don't depend on friends to teach their kids. We don't even depend on the church kids ministry to teach our kids. Fathers and mothers, we teach our kids. And let me maybe speak to the, the fathers uh, for a moment here. This is an area where we can really go passive, where we can let our wives take care of it. I, I know, I mean, I teach God's word. I disciple people for uh, a living. But it's very easy for me to spend the day investing in others and then go home and sit on the couch and say, hey, honey, can you just teach them? That's forsaken the duty that God has given me to care enough about my children to teach them about what God has done for me, what God has done for them. Non-parents, learn now. And I can tell you about the parents that just say, I don't know what to, to teach my kids about God. I don't really know the Bible that much. If you're a parent in that position, it's never too late to learn. Our kids don't need to see perfect scholars. They need to see people who love the Lord and, and want to grow in his word. If you're not a parent yet, hey, now is the time to learn. Don't let a, another day go by for your own good, but also for the good of your future children. Your family begins now, even if you are not uh, in that place. Effective parenting includes teaching. Effective parenting also includes discipline. Now, there's a philosophical debate that goes around, okay, are kids born good and then they become bad by the world, or are they born bad and they become badder, I guess? <laughs> there's no theological debate according to Scripture. Proverbs tells us this, folly is bound up in the heart of a child. Well, I didn't have to teach my kids to talk back. I didn't have to teach them to rebel against their father or their mother. I didn't have to teach my son to be uh, unloving towards his sister or their sisters towards one another. You don't have to teach that. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child. And then it says this, the rod of discipline drives it far from him. Now, we're not going to debate ways of discipline uh, this morning, and certainly I would tell you, sure, there's no room for violence or abuse against children. But what we are called in Proverbs is to not ignore the need for discipline. 
The idea is that, okay, we teach the way that they should go, but uh, in the hearts, just like each one of us, it's easy for us to go astray. Our kids will do the same. And so we need some discipline. We need some limits. We need some boundaries that keep them on the path. And one of the things that I've learned in having four kids is that every kid is different. I would love for there to be kind of a one uh, approach that fits them all. But I learned that's not the case, whether that's for teaching or whether that's for disciplining them. And so we need to know our children. We need to turn our eyes toward them. Proverbs 19.18 says this, Discipline your son, for there is hope. Do not set your heart on putting him to death. I'm not going to put my kids to death. Well, Proverbs tells us that if we fail to teach, if we fail to discipline, it's as good as letting them go the path of death. Now, the wonderful thing is, just like God grabbed many of us, God can and will grab many of our children in other ways. But God has called us as parents to be part of that process, to love them, to teach them. Effective parenting, finally, I say this, includes encouragement. It's not just about kind of having all these rules and keeping on, but encouraging them, training them up in the way that they should go. Not just theologically teaching, but practically as well. Hey, God formed our children in their mother's womb, gave them gifts and abilities. And once again, there's no kind of cookie-cutter approach. Okay, just po- we're not popping out cookie-cutter kids. No, God has uniquely blessed and gifted them. It is our job as parents to train them up to recognize, hey, Hey, they're really good at reading. Hey, I'm seeing a leader grow up here. Hey, this one's creative. This one has uh, these gifts. This one's good in school. This one is not. What other gifts has God given? That's what we're called to do. Train them up in the way that they should go so that they would know the path God has for them. Solid marriage is effective parenting. The weight is crushing of all of this. If we look at this as just a list of behaviors and walk out saying, I need to do better, I need to do better. It's crushing. I mean, we're all messed up in many ways. We're all broken. This is where Proverbs 24 tells us, by wisdom, a house is built. By understanding, it is established. By God's wisdom, by God's direction, our houses are built. By understanding what he's saying to us, seeking what he has. For us in this time, it will be established. It's speaking not just to behaviors, it's speaking to a heart change. We don't view it as a list of behaviors, a set of rules that we follow or have others in our life follow. But where we seek the Lord, our tendency, right, is to change our behavior. To walk out of here and say, okay, I'm going to do better. The gospel teaches us. We fail and we stumble in many ways. We can't do it on our own. We need him. We don't need more information. For many of you, heard these okay, solid marriage, good parenting, that's great. We don't need information. What we need this morning is transformation. We need our hearts to be turned towards what God has for us. We need to have the vision that he has for our families. What is God laying on your heart this morning? What is your vision? If you're married, maybe God's saying, hey, you need to take care of some business in order that you see a joyful marriage blossoming and growing. 
to see a wife or husband that is thriving as they live out life alongside. What is God saying to you as a husband or a wife? What is your vision for parenting as you see these little ones be born and grow and uh, become their little balls of sin that they are? How are you pointing them there, Jesus? How do you want to see them to be the joy as you sit and watch them one day make decisions to follow Christ and live that way? What if, for those of you who are young, not married yet, what do you hope your family would look like one day? What's God calling you to? What's that mean for your purity right now? For those of you who look at your extended family and it's full of brokenness, but you can see what God would have for you in a picture of reconciliation in those relationships. For those of you who are distant or grieving the loss of loved ones, where would God bring you in his wisdom? You need to have God's vision for your family to know his picture. And then you need his guidance each and every day by his spirit that guides us in accordance with his word. And you look at some of these statements and you say, yeah, but that's not for me. You believe that God wants to do a work in you to guide you to the blessedness that he's called you to. Finally, we all need his grace. In our marriages, we need his grace because we stumble every day. As parents, we need to feel his grace. As children uh, to parents, we need his grace. We need to allow his grace to flood this place. And any of us that are experiencing brokenness and needing healing, don't go to a list of rules or to the thought that, you know what, I used to think that now there's nothing for me because our God is a redeemer. He has some way he wants to minister to you today. We're going to wrap up here by um, doing what we do every Sunday. We're going to have a time of communion. Um, this is a real practical time that we take where we come and we bask in God's grace, where we're reminded very practically looking to the cross. And, and what we do is we say, you know what, I, I failed. I need Jesus. Maybe he pointed out something to you this morning and say, you know what, I failed or I'm failing I need Jesus. I need his grace, his mercy all over again. Um, we take a piece of bread and a cup of juice because it reminds us that um, Jesus went on the cross. He gave his body and his blood to cover our sin, regardless of what it was, to cover our brokenness and to replace it with mercy and healing and grace and redemption and reconciliation, first with your heavenly father and then in your earthly relationships. So, um, we're going to come to the tables as you, you feel led. Um, the band's going to play uh, some more songs. But um, if you're here and you're, you're with your spouse, maybe what I encourage you to do is to maybe take some time to pray together, um, to, to take communion together as you feel led. You don't have to rush to the tables. Um, if you're parents and you need to pray for your kids, take this time to do that. This isn't just a ritual. Let's get to the table and get back to our seats. If you're grieving and hurting, cry out to God. And there's going to be some people to pray for you. There will be men and there will be women over there. If you're somebody who's struggling with sexual sin, you're not alone. If you're somebody that's um, having feelings about giving up on marriage, giving up in parenting, you're not alone. The church is full of people who are, are struggling in the same ways, and we just want to go to God together. So... Um, 
Maybe you come to, to take the bread and juice. Maybe you go to prayer. Uh, maybe you sing and you celebrate all the blessing that God has in your life right now. Um, let's just go before our Heavenly Father, and then we'll respond as he leads us. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I just feel the, the weight of your words. We know that there's hope in you. Sometimes we wonder. We know that you have a good path for your life. Sometimes it just seems too dang hard. God, I pray that you would give us your eyes to see the path that you would have for us to take. God, for those that are hurting right now, struggling with sin, struggling with temptation, struggling with somebody else's sin against them that has just stuck with them their whole life, felt that they've kept it down. God, I pray that right now would be a time where you could bring healing, where you could bring comfort, where you could bring peace. God, for those that have been holding on um, to secrets, God, I pray that first and foremost, they could just come before you to know that you're a father that knows them, that loves them, that sent your own son to die for them. God, we celebrate the, the marriages, the parents that, that, are, that are doing well. May we uh, give our lives not just to making our own homes comfortable places, but to invest in those that are hurting, to build up men, to build up women. Only in your grace, God. God, cover us with your grace. Continue to give us guidance, direction. We give you this time to continue to work. I pray your spirit would continue to apply your words, however you desire for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. And come to the tables as you feel led. Um, come to for prayer as you feel led.